Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. My name's Tom Bourne, and with me today in the studio is Alistair Rose. Alistair, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm awesome, in fact. Glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. Alistair, uh, tell us, tell us, tell, I've, I've spoken to you a few moments ago, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about your stellar career and what you're currently doing? Well, it's a, it's a tawdry tale, really. <laughs> I, um, I left New Zealand in 1989 and went to the UK like a lot of Kiwis do and um, fell, into, uh, fell into being a paramedic in, in the UK. Spent most of the 90s traveling through the UK or traveling around the UK and working in the ambulance service, living in Europe. Um, but I trained as a, as a paramedic and I worked around uh, Essex and London. Eventually, after a few years, um, a wife, um, one child and one on the way, I, you know, things start to change when you start having kids. So I wanted, I really wanted to come home. I got really homesick, um, needed to come home. And so we, we came home, but I couldn't, I couldn't work uh, as a paramedic in New Zealand. They wouldn't accept my British qualifications. Um, so uh, after a, a couple of years, I joined the New Zealand police. Um, of course, I'd, by this time, I'd been bitten by the, by the emergency services bug. You know, I, I liked the, the bustle and the buzz. I especially liked the court spree. So working with a, with a group of people that, you know, sometimes you're in traumatic situations, you're in danger. Um, and I liked that stuff. Um, 
I would say it blew my hair back. Um, so, uh, yeah, had to, had to wave goodbye to being a paramedic, loved being a paramedic. It was very much me. Um, the training that I received in the UK was outstanding. It was world-class and it was to the detriment of New Zealand that I couldn't be a paramedic in New Zealand. That's all changed now, of course, um, we're 20 or so years down the track and um, New Zealand's realised uh, that it's been making a mistake um, and it's easier if you're a foreign trained paramedic, particularly from the UK, uh, to get in. But anyway, I joined the New Zealand police, served 15 years in the police. Um, about 2007, I was involved in a critical incident where um, an armed offender uh, had just murdered a person in the hills above Wellington. Um, he had shot a whole lot of other people with his shotgun, um, beaten some people up, and he was on a rampage. He was, he was wanted by police. We knew he was active. He was taxing various drug houses, and um, he was being a bit naughty. He'd only just been released on parole from another homicide, um, so he was a, a nasty piece of work. He was a big man. I mean, I'm six foot three. Um, he was a big guy. Anyway, confronted him. We ended up, he pointed a, a firearm at me, pulled the trigger, and it failed to fire. Um, and that's, uh, I would say that's probably a defining moment <laughs> in my life. You know, I would say that that was probably the most scared I've ever been. It was absolutely terrifying um, and uh, we ended up shooting him, blowing out his femoral artery in one of his legs and man he bled like a stuck pig and good job too um, took him down uh, we arrested him and because I've been a paramedic I managed to save his life and stem the bleeding because he was really bleeding out um, and um, so I did my paramedic thing on him and um waited for the ambulance to arrive and and um he was he was swept away and eventually lost his leg they chopped it off because it was so badly damaged because the the round that you use in the police is called a hydroshock so it's a hollow point and it's designed not to go all the way through it's designed to stop halfway through and create and it creates a lot of damage so it really knackered his leg so he lost it um I was um, after that. Uh, I was I was with another guy when we were confronted by this by this armed offender, and um, we were decorated with the New Zealand Bravery Star, which is a tier two uh, bravery decoration. Um, so it's a couple down from the Victoria Cross. Um, so it's a high decoration, and it's something that I'm extremely proud of. And um, wasn't allowed to talk about it for a long time. Um, probably couldn't talk about it for a long time. Um, but I do talk about it now. Um, and it's taking me a little while to get used to um, speaking about it because I always felt like I was a bit of a blowhard if I was talking about it. And, you know, that's... Being a blowhard is 
I'll, I'll talk some more about that a little bit further down the track because that's a little bit about PTSD, showing weakness and not being able to talk about things. We'll talk about that some more. Um, and uh, a little while later, I was nearly killed again on duty um, by, a, by a fleeing car. The car um, went, went for me was, as I was laying spikes in the road. You know, I was a uniform cop. I was a, a roughy-tufty copper. Um, I liked the job. I liked the cut and thrust of it. But I was starting to change. Um, I've been in the emergency services for a long time. And um, I realised that my mental health was starting to decline. I didn't feel that I fitted in in the police anymore. I didn't feel that I could contribute the way that I had been um, previously. So after 15 years, uh, a very experienced police officer, very experienced paramedic, being there and done that, decorated, I left the police and I went to work safe. Uh, I live in Wellington, so I was at head office in, uh, in Wellington, uh, where the government seat is in New Zealand. So um, there's a lot of government departments in Wellington. Um, it's a bit, bit like Canberra, I suppose. Um, and our main business hub is Auckland. Um, so I, I did my did my training in health and safety. It seemed like a real, to me, it seemed like a real natural fit. Um, but there was no shift work. I was tired. Um, I was, my mental health was really suffering. I couldn't believe how tired I was when I left police. I had been doing shift work for 20 years and, um, you know, I needed a change. Um, so, yeah, I joined WorkSafe and I found that invigorating. I loved, loved working with WorkSafe. I don't know if they liked me working for them because I was still very much a copper. Um, you know, I was hard. Um, I look back now and think, oh, geez, man. I think you might have been an asshole. <laughs> it's good to have that self-reflection occasionally. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, but, you know, I've calmed down. It's been seven years since I left police now, and I've calmed down. Um, and that's a good thing, you know. It's um, it's tiring going through life being on edge like that. Um, you know, constantly looking after, over your shoulder, like like all cops do, you know. You're always looking, geez, has that guy got a warrant? Geez, I bet he needs locking up. And you're looking at cars, you're looking at people. And that's tiring, you know. <laughs> so no oh. wonder I was so bloody tired. Yeah. Um, I did my diploma in health and safety, and I, I, the training at WorkSafe in New Zealand was phenomenal. It was really good, um, and it really set me up well. But the pay was shit, man. The pay was so bad. I, was, you know, I had two kids at home. I was paying a mortgage still. And I was struggling. So I got out into the private sector and yep. and you really notice it. <laughs> Once you come out of government into private, you notice that the money's there um, in health and safety. And that was what I was after. And I also had realised that 
I had a lot of government experience, you know, I'd come through police and then gone to work safe. And it's important to see the other, other pressures that business have. And you, you will really only see that uh, within private business. Um, so the pressures of finance, the pressures of what the board is saying and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I did some investigating for WorkSafe um you know to looking towards prosecution and that sort of thing and it was then that i really learned the health and safety at work act um, if you're trying to prosecute the act you really get to know it, especially if you if you, if you work from a, a policeman's mind like i do and of course i had uh the benefit of having medical knowledge as well so dealing with um asbestosis or um any of those diseases um, you can you can really relate to. So uh, I worked around Wellington, um, ran my own business for a while. Uh, I worked in private industry, but I, I, I really found it hard to settle. I found it hard to relate to people. Um, and in 2018, I was diagnosed with PTSD from my police service. And, you know, that the type of cop I was, that that doesn't come as any surprise. Um, some of the stuff that I've been up to over the past 20 or so years, it really doesn't come as any surprise, but it, it takes its toll. And um, we're only just starting to, to learn about it now. Um, we're only just starting to put controls in for it now. Um, you know, ISO 45003. Um, so earlier this year, um, after um, battling with PTSD and ACC, um, so I'm diagnosed with PTSD and I've had, and I'm 20% disabled, which is, you know, it's great to have that recognition. It helps. Um, but you learn, you learn to love the stuff you have to, yep. you learn to get on with it rather. Yep. I have to manage it rather than it manage me. And I've learned that. Um, and I use it to, because I've got a lot of drive. Um, I use it to my, uh, advantage. Um, so in April, on the 25th of April of this year, um, I started a charity called Hartikva Blue Hope Foundation. I started on the 25th of April as a, as a hat tip to the soldiers that came back from the Second World War who had PTSD. Yep. Um, and that, you know, I, 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 I talk about that when I'm going around the country and talking to cops. Because they, they mean, a lot of cops don't come home and talk to their wives or their partners about what they've done at work. And I didn't either. Um, they just don't understand, you know, there's no way that you'd understand that you've had to pick up bits of a brain off a train track or yeah. all that stuff, you know? Um, and you would, you don't, you don't want to bring that stuff home. I mean, I always left my uniform at the station, part of taking work off and leaving it at the station, putting on civvies and going home. Um, and the soldiers were like that when, 
when they came home, they couldn't talk to their wives or their partners about it. They'd go down the RSA. I don't know what you call it in Australia. The RSL? RSL, that's right. Um, Return Servicemen's Association in New Zealand, RSA. Services um, League in Australia. Uh, okay. Uh, see, we are cousins, really, aren't we? Of course. We, we like each other. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't talk about sport. Um, So, uh, 25th of April, Anzac Day, hat tip to the guys who came back from the Second World War, came back from Africa. They all, you know, a lot of them have PTSD. They go to the RSA and and talk about it with their mates. And, you know, that's what cops do as well. Um, So our our charity is uh, called Hatikva. Um, and Hatikva is a, a, a Jewish poem about hope. Um, we, we generally, we call it the foundation or blue hope um, because Hatikva can be a bit of a mouth, mouthful if you're not used to speaking Hebrew. Um, but I, 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 like, I like to, uh, it's really me being playful with words. Um, uh, I like to use Hatikva because the Israelis are so good at um, dealing with PTSD. Um, and it's a hat tip to them as well. Um, and uh, we're working with the Israeli embassy in Wellington to um, get some of their experts out to New Zealand so that New Zealanders can also um, benefit from, from their knowledge. Not quite sure how that'll look yet, but um, we started talking to the embassy about it. Um, and maybe in the next year or two, we'll have a conference on PTSD uh, in New Zealand. And maybe some of you Aussies have come across to it. There's quite a chance. There's quite a chance because, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we could use the help as well. All right. Um, look, some great experience you've got there and and congratulations on on your career as a frontline responder um yeah not many people thank frontline responders so um (laughs) i'll do it for them thanks for actually being a frontline responder and keeping us safe at night thanks for actually you know helping our people and putting them back together and putting them in safe situations Uh, you know it's one of those things we everyone everyone in any civilized country we rely on those frontline responders we rely on the police to be there to keep us safe but there's so little thought about the risks that people go into in those careers there's so little concern it's 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 almost like the general public we don't want to know just go and do your job keep us safe and don't tell us anything because it's too hard for us um so why is why 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 don't people care about frontline responders i don't it's one of those things that i struggle with because well everyone everyone's interested in frontline responders really i mean they're interested in the work that they do but they just don't probably don't understand a lot of it you know and in the same way is that i wouldn't come back and talk home and talk to my wife about it because you know it's hard to hard for people to understand that stuff and they'd rather not know. Um, so 
you know, it's 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 a kind of a closed society, really. <laughs> I, I, and, and, that, and that's why, I mean, there's, there's the whole call to spree, which, you know, I talk about a lot, the um, being able to rely on the guys uh, that you work with because, you, get, you know, you're going to have to. It's like being in a trench with a, another guy with a, or being in a foxhole with another guy. You, you need to know that you can trust them. Um, and, and Simon Sinek, who is a, a well-known commentator around business and um, leadership and governance and that sort of thing, he talks about the circle of safety. And it's the same thing, um, feeling safe and relying on the guys um, within your circle of safety. Because, uh, you know, on the outside, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that want to harm you, particularly if you're in the police. Um, so you need to rely on your circle of safety. You need to rely on the, on the other cops that are around you. And it develops... Uh, it develops a, a brotherhood. I know that's probably a, an NPC thing to say, but it develops a court esprit. It develops a, a spirit of working with people when you're under a lot of pressure. All right. I just want to ask a couple of questions. You talked about when you diagnose a PTSD that it wasn't really a surprise because of the type of work you did. Uh, at the time, was it a surprise for you, or were you, uh, or, uh, or were you? I think, that... I think I, I think it was a, a slow realization that probably this is what I had, PTSD. Um, you know, I was certainly aware that I didn't fit in with society anymore, um, and that I was becoming increasingly withdrawn. Um, and uh, depressed, suicidal, um, you know, and those are all all symptoms of it. And because I've got a health background, you know, I was, and because I've been to a lot of suicides, um, you know, I started to recognise that in myself and um, went and spoke to my GP about it and started the process of, of, getting diagnosed with, with PTSD. Um, and the more I sort of opened up to PTSD and the more that I spoke to people about it, the more that I, it was, you know, it's useful to understand this stuff, um, but you don't want to sort of let it live your life. You've, you've got to carry on with life and um, otherwise you, you just become a, um, a hermit. And I could see myself doing that, you know, I, I was, probably getting a bit agoraphobic, didn't want to go out. Um, I'm, I'm really sensitive to noise. I'm hypervigilant. Um, screaming kids annoy the shit out of me. Um, loud exhausts, particularly Harley Davidsons or boy racer cars, or I think you call them hoons over your way, um, particularly annoy me. And, that, and that's because, you know, crying babies in distress that, that's uh, that means something to me. Yeah. Loud, loud exhausts. Um, that's a particular type of person. Um, that also means something to me as a cop. Yeah. Um, you know, generally speaking, both are a threat. That's right. Um, so you know, I didn't want to go out and sort of be part of society, and it was hard. You know, it was really hard, and 
it wasn't until you know I started to get the help, and that's and that and that's not an easy thing in New Zealand because we have ACC over here, um, and you have workers' comp in Australia. ACC are a big bureaucratic government department, and when you're really sick with PTSD, it's an absolute bloody nightmare. And then you're trying to take on your employer. Um, the New Zealand Police, which is also a big government department, <laughs> while you've got PTSD, while you're depressed, while you're trying to, while you're thinking about bloody stringing yourself up from the rafters, um, you know it's 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 a hard thing, and there, and there's no support groups in New Zealand um, for this type of thing, not not for frontliners, um, not not for cops, um, and it it was. Uh, three years ago, 2019, that um, very close friend of mine who we knew had PTSD. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Police officer. Yep. Took himself outside one day and shot himself. Um, and that really hurt, actually yeah. hurt, hurt all of us. And that was the start of when I um, started to think about the charity, you know, the support that the charity can do for police officers. Um, and using my experience as a cop and using my experience as a health and safety professional, I would go so far as to say that I'm a health and safety expert because of my love for the Health and Safety at Work Act. Um, I'm a, a real health and safety nerd. I mean, I sit up in bed and read the act. I mean, how, how weird is that? Um, You're not the only one. <laughs> um, it really, really blows my hair back, the act. I think it's a beautifully written piece of legislation. And from someone who's read a lot of legislation. And hey, the good thing is that we copied it off you lot. So, you know, go yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, I always I always tell people, I said, uh, I studied legislation most of my life. You pick up the act and it is the most easily understood piece of legislation you'll ever come across. There's, there's a few little bits that are a bit of gobbledygook. You have to actually read a bit between the lines. But any person can pick it up and understand the general principles pretty much straightforward. It, 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 it's, it's a lovely thing. So uh, that's when, when people tell me that they can't understand it or, or legislation's written for lawyers, I go, mm, not, not, not in this case. 
Yeah, but certainly the Health and Safety Work Act is is an easy piece of legislation to understand, um, and it's it's dynamic as well. You can really use it. I particularly like uh, the government's governance part of the Health and Safety Work Act, and that's particularly important for us in New Zealand because it was governance that led to you know our greatest tragedy with Pipe River, um, the mine in the South Island that killed 30 or so men um, oh, about, I think probably about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it was the governance that, that let those men down. Um, and I, I think about that a lot when I'm doing health and safety is that my, my opinion is that everything starts at top table yep. and everything can be solved at top table. We're very slow at that in New Zealand. Um, you know, the, the new act, ASWA, has been out seven years and we've had a, to be honest, we've had a honeymoon for that time because there's only been two directors that have been charged in that time. Um, the the uh, uh, WorkSafe has, has been slow at um, getting up to speed and using the act. Yep. Um, and the sooner that we start... Um, focusing top, on top table, um, the sooner we're going to have, you know, we're going to bear the fruits of the new act. I mean, I shouldn't even be calling it the new act because it's been out for seven years, but we, we still call it the new act over here. Um, We've, we, we still, we still, people have talked talk, talk to us about the, the new act and it's been out here since, uh, well, most states implemented in 2012. So, you know, it's a decade old, but um mm. All right, I could, can I can I just ask you a bit of a personal question? Was it was it tough to admit publicly that you've got PTSD, and is it still tough to admit to other people, not just to people in the police service who understand and know where you're coming from, but to just general people? Because you, know, I think we both understand that there is still, no matter how educated general public seems to be getting or a little bit better educated, there is still a stigma attached to PTSD and, and mental health. And for, for, for people who have been in um, sort of enforcement roles, you never, what well, I found it, it was, you never admitted weakness. You never admitted you had a flaw because it gave someone a chance to take advantage of you. And and so, what is it hard? Was it hard to to, to oh, say? Oh, yeah, really, really hard. And it wasn't until my mate killed himself that I actually thought, because we we knew knew this guy had PTSD. We knew that he was struggling. Um, but it, because it hurt so much that he killed himself that I started to talk about it. Um, and that's why I say that's really when Hatuk for Blue Hope Foundation started. That was the seed that was sowed. Yep. It was hard, you know, because people make judgments that you're on antidepressants and that you're depressed. And, you know, yeah, I am. And I do get depressed. And there's days that I can't get out of bed. Um, but you learn to love it, you know, and... We have to talk about it because people are killing themselves. You know, my mate killed himself, and the, and I looked into it, and the, 
I could rattle off 10 cops in the past 10 years that have killed themselves. It wasn't until I actually stopped and thought about it um, that I realised that, you know, we have, a, we have a problem. PTSD leads to suicide. People are so desperate that they, they, they feel so worthless that they want to top themselves. Um, they feel so little of themselves. Um, and they, uh, they just feel that they're, they're better off out of the way. And that's absolutely not the case. The case is, is that my mate was really loved um, by his uh, colleagues, by his family. And, um, and we still feel it today, you know, three years down the track. I think about him every day. And it hurts. It really hurts. And, and he left, he's left an unfillable hole. The silly bugger bloody topped himself um, because he had PTSD. So, yeah, it was hard to start to talk about, but I, I don't find it hard anymore because it has a benefit when you talk about it. And, and, we, and you know, the, the New Zealand police are lucky in that um, there's a charity that they don't have to pay for. Um, we're completely independent. Uh, we're not funded by any government agency. Um, uh, we're here to talk about it, and we, we take a humanitarian view on the guys that we look after, you know, the cops that are out there, um, those that do. Uh, we, we, we care about them. We, we know that they're a loved part of, of society, and we genuinely care about them and we want to look after them because yeah. no one else is going to and we're going to use the health and safety at work act to do it yeah and that yeah. and that's unique that's unique no one's done that before um and i find sometimes i, I find it amusing i think oh little old me and stuck in wellington new zealand i'm doing something really unusual why hasn't anyone else come up with this idea why doesn't anyone else use the health and safety at work act to look after these people. Yeah, look, um, one of the thing, interesting things, which is with the Act, the, there's been emphasis on, at least in Australia for the last couple of years, and it seems to have been picked up in momentum, is the idea of uh, a safe workplace includes providing a safe psychological workplace. Um, and this is something that it sounds like it just hasn't been happening. Um, and that's across all police forces. So maybe that's something to explore. But um, do police, do they get any mental health um, training? Or, you know, basically some sort of training to so that they can um, help look after themselves a bit better? Uh, there, there, is, there is stuff out there, but it's... I mean, I think if you compared it to ISO 45003, it wouldn't come up to scratch. They do a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's, I often compare it to running a, a nuclear power station. You can run a nuclear power station safely um, using all the controls that are, that are there to run a nuclear power station, using the Health and Safety Work Act, using all the various ISOs that they, they use. You know, a nuclear power station's a dangerous piece of kit. So, it, you know, it shouldn't be that hard in, in a government department 
yes, it's a dangerous job and there are many risks. Risks, um, But you can control the risks, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean to say that you should, because, because there's risks there that you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing, you just have to control them. And that's what the Health and Safety at Work Act says. And there's, there's controls for, for protecting workers, police workers, that we should be using ISO 45003, but we're not using it. And, you know, like I said, it comes, to, it comes down to top table every time. They have to want to do it. And if top table rolled out ISO 45003, we would see probably zero suicides amongst police officers because police officers rely on the circular safety. You know, they rely on their mates, the call to spree. Yeah. Uh, I was in Brisbane recently and one of the people I spoke to <clears throat> delivered a presentation and it was, it was I, I, I found it absolutely brilliant. But one of the things he said was um, it came down to... Um, controlling risks and, and it was talking about uh, organizations who handle mental health issues um, by just uh, giving their um, employees resilience training that's their control measure giving their employees resilience training um, which he said was you know like having a rotten cake with just good frosting on top and I went <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I think it's a very apt thing. It's To me, resilience training by itself basically implies there is a flaw or a defect or a, a, a something missing in the individual. You know, there's the hazard. It's there. It's, it's a work environment, but just toughen up. You, you, you would have... You, you, you're not a spring chicken. You're a bit bad like me. So, you know, the, the old sayings we used to get about take a teaspoon of cement, grow a spine, you know, toughen up, grow some whatevers. Um, resilience training by itself to me in situations like this is, is kind of a, a politically correct way of saying the same thing. It's 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 you that's there's a problem. It's not the environment you work in. And... I mean, how hard can it be? I mean, the recipe book's there. Um, hmm. you've, got, you've got a brilliant act. You just need yeah. to follow it. And yeah. um, the problem that we have in New Zealand is that we don't have a lot of skilled health and safety practitioners in this country. We're still, we're still trying to bring that craft along. Um, there's a few cowboys out there who, who talk a lot of shit. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have the recipe books. To do the stuff properly, yep. But we don't have the will at the top table. You know, governance is particularly in New Zealand is a huge problem um, because if you have top table singing from the same song sheet, then you know you're all the way there. Really, um, we've got ISOs to deal with this. ISO forty five thousand and one. If you're if you're doing health and safety, ISO forty five thousand and three, which is the cousin to ISO forty five thousand and one. I mean, if you if you were to bring some of those bring those ISOs in, you know your health and safety is going to be okay. The regulator yeah. won't won't take any interest in you. Um, you just have to do uh, those recipes, um, and you, you need 
you need good health and safety practitioners and you need to have governance on board. How do we how do we get police officers in particular, but frontline responders talking more about that they are struggling, that they are finding it hard? It's, I mean, there, there's a requirement in, in, in HASWA, um, the Health and Safety Work Act uh, um, engagement. And it's one of the pillars of, of, uh, of what I use as, as a health and safety professional, governance, engagement, and identifying critical risks, the stuff that stops you going home at the end of the day. If we did, if we did engagement properly uh, in New Zealand, um, then you know police officers will, will will talk that police officers do talk about this stuff but they do it sort of within the confines of those who they're confident talking to and it's usually their mates you know in the bar after work trouble is that they've closed a lot of the bars now um it might be uh at, 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 a, at a mate's place but if, if if you have your hsrs performing properly mm then this stuff will come out. I mean, police officers don't mind talking about it. They just have to be, they just have to feel comfortable that they can talk about it. In fact, um, now that I'm running this charity, they, I get, I get a, a constant request. Is there a, is there a, a support group that I can go to? Um, people ask all the time and, you know, that's, that's on our work plan to, to start a support group. And it was when I was first diagnosed with PTSD, when I was talking to police about it and to ACC, I, that was one of the questions that I asked, is there a support group? Because I'll only talk to cops. Mm. I'll only talk to people who understand. And that, I don't think that's any different than any other worker. You know, if, if yeah. you're in a factory that they want to talk to people who understand. Um, we're humans. We're, we're social characters. You know, we, yeah. we need to be able to talk about this stuff. Um, we just need to be able to have the right atmosphere to talk about it. And it's no different for police officers. Yeah. If we have decent HSRs, then we'll talk about it. And we don't have decent HSRs in, in New Zealand police. Not because they're, you know, not there. It's just that um, it's not encouraged. Yeah. Um, just curious, have you built up a network with other jurisdictions, uh, police departments, so that you can hopefully share learnings and and um... internationally. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. I've, I've just recently come back from the UK, um, yeah. where I attended the um, Gallantry Medalists League muster. Yeah. So the Gallantry Medalists League is a group of guys who've got um, gallantry medals like mine. Uh, I think you've got one in Australia, actually, that I found out about while I was in the UK. Okay. But there were a number of police officers in the UK there when I went to this muster. And um, it's important to, uh, to network like that. Um, and, of course, now uh, we have... Um, I have a I have a contact in Australia which we're developing, um, but we've just had the 
we've just had a, a, a big police conference, international conference running uh, between Australia, uh, New Zealand and Europe and America. Um, and, I, and I watched it from afar. I mean, you had to pay quite a lot of money to go along to this conference and um, it was online. Um, but there was no talk about health and safety. No. And, and, you know, some of the stuff, some of the health and safety stuff that should be talked about, um, and it constantly surprises me, is that I don't, I don't think that the governments, I don't think top table fully appreciate that they're personally responsible, they're personally liable, mm. um, and it won't be the company that pays the fine. It'll be them. It'll come out of their own bank account. Yep, yep. It'll be them that goes to jail. Yeah. And that's not a good thing for a cop to go to jail. It's never oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think that's potentially the worst situation you could have. Yeah. Um, all right. We're getting close to having to wrap up, Alistair. Um, firstly, if I wanted to get involved and support Blue Hat Foundation, how would I do it? Find us on, on Facebook. Facebook and LinkedIn are yep. our two avenues. that um, We've tried Twitter and, and some of the other handles. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Facebook and LinkedIn seems to be the best way that people probably of my age um from my profession that's the one that they're most comfortable with yeah so um alistair rose nzbs um at, at, at linkedin yep um uh hatikva blue hope foundation on facebook yep um or www.bluehope.co.nz and we and we want to hear from you. We want to hear. We want members to contact us. We want to be able to look after you, um, because crops are dying and it doesn't and it hurts. Yeah, yeah, and and you know we don't want that. Listen, if you're a ch- you, you are a charity, um, and therefore you do rely on donations. If I was a business and I, I wanted to actually support you, it's because I believe in what you do. Um, I, 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 am I able to donate to you? Yeah, we're 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 setting up um, corporate sponsorship. Good. Um, and we would love to hear from you. Um, oh. And we've got we've got uh, a plan in place uh, for that. Got an excellent website. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a copy design the website. It's all part of the blue farnell. Farnell is a merry word for family. And we, we, we talk a lot about the blue far now. Um, it's another play on words, a bit like Hartikva. Um, but uh, it's it, it, in New Zealand and for New Zealanders, uh, blue far now uh, amongst the police fraternity really resonates. It's a strong word to use um, and it, it has a lot of meaning. Um, so the, the blue far now, we, we support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of free help from, uh, from cops who have left the service, like I say, starting out the website. Um, 
jump on the website. We would love to hear from anyone who uh, wants to support us, obviously. Um, this stuff this stuff doesn't happen by itself. And yeah. I'm a, I don't get paid for this, mm. um, even though I'm the um, managing director. I'm still doing this for free. Um, and I've had to put some of my own money into this so far. Yeah. So we, we, we've developed the systems now to... Um, get the funding going. We've mm -hmm. got our charity status, which is excellent. It took a long time, took more than 10 weeks to come through. Um, and when you're sort of running on the Nolly <laughs> Rig, that was, that was a long wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you're doing a great job, Alistair. Please keep it up. It's been an absolute pleasure and honour to speak to you. Um, but for now, um, goodbye. Thank you very much for having me on board. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to an Aussie cousin. And I love what you're doing. It's, and it's a great vehicle to talk about health and safety. We're a bit weird in the health and safety space with our stuff. But um, it's okay to be weird now and again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon, Alistair. Thank you. All right, mate. Mine, here you go. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.